Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa. For years, ParCast has worked tirelessly to bring you an unprecedented look at history's most radical true crime events. Your support has not only allowed us to keep exploring these stories, but has driven us to keep expanding as well. So as a thank you to the ParCast listeners, I am honored to announce the release of our first book, Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them. It's available on July 12th, and you can pre-order it today at parcast.com cults. The Branch Davidians, The Anthill Kids, Heaven's Gate, and more. Cults combs through the terrifying details never explored in any of Parcast's series before. This is a passion project only made possible by you. So we truly hope you'll enjoy it. Visit parcast.com slash cults to pre-order your copy of Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them. On March 20th, 1998, a hungry crowd trickled into an Ohio Cracker Barrel for lunch. Beaming with excitement, amateur inventor Stanley Meyer pulled into the parking lot with his twin brother. They couldn't wait to show investors Stanley's invention, a new fuel cell that could power a vehicle with water instead of oil. Stanley and Stephen entered the restaurant and sat at a table with the potential investors. After some pleasantries, Stanley ordered cranberry juice. Then, the group began discussing his new invention. In their minds, Stanley's water fuel cell was going to wean America off foreign oil. Just as their conversation was becoming more lively, a server placed their drinks in front of them. The group raised their cups and toasted. Stanley's invention was going to change the world. Stanley sipped his drink. Yet in a split second, the mood changed. The inventor stood up, grabbed his neck as if choking, and bolted from the table. Stephen chased him through the restaurant and out through the gift shop towards the exit. The pair sprinted outside, where Stanley dropped to his knees and vomited. He looked up at his brother and muttered, They poisoned me. Then the inventor collapsed onto the ground and died. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our first episode on free energy. Throughout history, scientists and inventors have tried to develop a machine or process that could produce endless power at little to no cost. Such a discovery would dramatically drop the price of energy, while possibly bankrupting the fossil fuel industry overnight. This episode will explore some of the leaders who work to unlock the mysteries behind free energy. 
We'll follow their stories, which range from early attempts to create perpetual motion machines to the alleged discovery of cold fusion. Next time, we'll discuss three conspiracy theories surrounding free energy, like whether the technology is being suppressed by oil companies or even the government, and we'll dive deeper into the strange physics behind time crystals and how they may hold the key to unlocking free energy. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd start to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash conspiracy. Hola. Hello. This call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow. Ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier. Thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you turn on a light or start your car in the morning, you probably don't think much about where that power comes from. Until perhaps it comes time to pay the electric bill or fill up your gas tank. Today, oil, gas, and electric corporations hold power over the world's economy. They generate and distribute energy and therefore control what it costs. Governments also hold the reins by deciding which companies deserve subsidies, which brings down its price. But what if there was a way to get energy without all that fuss? What if there was a machine that could create power on its own, with its energy output being greater than its input? That would be free energy, and it would make much of the world's economy obsolete. Some theorists have even gone further, saying that free energy might destroy the world economy, spelling an end to capitalism as we know it. Others, though, think that free energy would only increase economic growth to levels never seen before. 
Either way, the implications would be huge. But for free energy to be possible, we'd have to break with the laws of physics. The first rule of thermodynamics, the law of conservation of energy, asserts that energy can neither be created or destroyed. Simply put, you can't make something out of nothing. Free energy would also break the second rule of thermodynamics, which states that as energy is transferred or transformed, part of it is lost through entropy. That's why anything hot cools down, or why things in motion eventually slow to a stop without additional power. So, in order to make free energy possible, a machine would have to do two things, avoid entropy and generate more energy than was put in. In other words, it would have to make something from nothing, a concept that in our world is scientifically impossible. Yet, over the years, a number of scientists, engineers, and amateur inventors disagree. They've claimed to have designed free energy devices. In the 12th century, a scholar named Bhaskara II went to work designing one of the first free energy or perpetual motion machines. Described as the greatest mathematician of medieval India, Bhaskara was the head of an astronomical observatory in the ancient city of Ujjain. An accomplished astrologer, he specialized in planetary positions. Bhaskara was following in the footsteps of an earlier Indian mathematician and astronomer from the 7th century, a man named Brahmagupta. Brahmagupta described his free energy machine as a wheel with spokes spaced equally apart and filled halfway with mercury. In this prototype, the mercury would run from one side of the spoke to the other, and theoretically, this shifting mass would keep the wheel spinning. Working off this design five centuries later, Mascara updated the wheel. His wheel had curved spokes with mercury around its circumference. Bhaskara believed this would cause continual imbalance, in turn moving the wheel to spin forever. It doesn't seem Bhaskara ever built one of these wheels to test his theory, but we do know that at the time, the idea was revolutionary. Soon, word of Bhaskara's wheel spread far and wide, capturing the imagination of Arab scholars who eventually took the idea to the European world. Throughout the 13th and 14th centuries, many tried to design their own version of the wheel. Some looked like complex water mills with shafts and belts, while others appeared more simple. They looked like tires with rolling balls in the spokes. Though the devices appeared different, they had one thing in common. None of them worked. As the Middle Ages dragged on, interest in Bhaskara's spinning wheel continued but nothing seemed novel. Until the Renaissance ushered in a new age of discovery. During this period, the population in multiple European cities grew exponentially, which increased demand for food and other products. Engineers quickly went to work developing rudimentary machines to help with production. Similarly, scholars and scientists searched for a way to power them. Once again, the idea of free energy captured people's imagination. The promise of perpetual motion machines drew attention from one of the greatest minds of the time, Leonardo da Vinci. 
Born in 1452, da Vinci has long been described as a quintessential Renaissance man. In addition to being the painter responsible for the Mona Lisa, da Vinci was also an accomplished sculptor, engineer, scientist, and inventor. His sketchbook was filled with designs for flying contraptions, war machines, and even a robotic knight. But in the 1490s, he began drawing a different kind of device, the perpetual motion machine. Taking inspiration from his predecessors, da Vinci sketched simple wheels that would shift their mass in different ways to keep spinning. Yet, after drawing numerous contraptions, da Vinci stared back at the page in frustration. No matter what he did, the machine, if built, wouldn't work. He took his pencil and began writing furiously on the page. Beside one of the sketches, he wrote, Every body in motion continues to move so long as the influence of the force that set it in motion is maintained in it, meaning the machine could never function. The up and down forces on the wheel would eventually slow it to a stop. This insight is similar to the third law of motion that Sir Isaac Newton would discover nearly 200 years later, that for every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. But da Vinci's findings didn't make him give up. In fact, perhaps because it felt so impossible, da Vinci pushed forward. He got creative, sketching up toothed discs with locking mechanisms. He dreamt up wheels filled with falling mallets or moving fluid. And when those failed, he ditched the wheel altogether. Da Vinci designed a complex hydraulic system made of a large spiral screw that pumped water from a pool, then released it onto a mill to power itself. And yet, his conclusions were always the same. He wrote in a manuscript, quote, Among the impossible delusions of man is the search for continuous motion, called by some perpetual wheel. After da Vinci, more scholars throughout the 15th, 16th, and 17th centuries attempted their hand at the perpetual motion machine. But still, nothing seemed to stick. It wasn't until the 18th and 19th centuries that designs looked more promising, especially since as global economies transitioned from work done by hand to work done by machine, the need for energy skyrocketed and governments look to citizen entrepreneurs and inventors for help. Coming up, a carpenter unlocks the power of vibration. Hi listeners, it's Carter from ParCast Network. It's the perfect time to grab yourself a second helping of the Spotify original from ParCast, Devious Dads. Our limited series is back with a new collection of episodes from across the network, exposing the unfortunate families whose patriarchs had a penchant for causing pain. Criminal masterminds, spies, murderers. Every Sunday on Spotify, Devious Dads features the fathers who chose to put the fear of God into those they tormented, including their own families. Some men raise children, others raise hell. Be sure to follow season two of Devious Dads free and only on Spotify. Hola. Hello, this call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. 
Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow. Ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. Now, back to the story. Ever since a mathematician in 7th century India first imagined a wheel that could spin forever, scholars and engineers have been drawn to the idea. Many design their own devices in an effort to achieve this perpetual motion. But not even one of the world's greatest minds, Leonardo da Vinci, could crack the code. During the Industrial Revolution, the need for an abundant energy source exploded. The process of turning coal into power was expensive, dirty, and dangerous. So businesses searched for new ways to power their machines. And governments, with their booming economies, promised wealth to anyone who could help. Once again, the idea of free energy gained more traction. And with so much money on the line, it attracted new groups beyond engineers, scientists, and inventors. In 1812, a man named Charles Redheffer appeared in Philadelphia, claiming to have built what he called a self-moving machine. Redheffer assembled this machine in a little house outside of the city. It was composed of a large wheel attached to three smaller ones hanging from a central shaft. Two triangular ramps balanced atop the wheel, and when weight was added to the top of each ramp, the wheel would seemingly turn under its own power. To demonstrate his device, Redheffer set up a viewing window with his machine protected behind a locked door. He charged one dollar to view it. The cost was worth it. The machine appeared to work, impressing everyone. The Philadelphia Democratic Press wrote that Redheffer's machine was capable of spinning forever. And a paper called the Aurora General Advertiser went a step further. An editor there claimed that Red Heifer's energy machine and the idea overall contributed, quote, to the honor and interests of the nation. Armed with an overwhelmingly positive reception, Red Heifer sought to expand his profits. In his mind, the best way forward was to secure funding from the government. Soon, the Philadelphia City Council came to him with a proposition. They wanted to replace the city's steam-powered water pumps with his device. But before the plan could go through, Red Heifer had to prove to them that his machine actually worked. The Pennsylvania legislature intervened and appointed a committee to look at Red Heifer's invention. They made several attempts to view the device, But whenever they arrived, the machine was always locked inside the house, and Red Heifer was nowhere to be found. On their last attempt, a frustrated group member peeked at the device through a window. He noticed something odd about the wear marks on the gears powering the machine. The wear appeared on the wrong sides, which to him suggested that the device was being powered from an outside source. Whatever Red Heifer's device was, It wasn't a perpetual motion machine. And to prove it, the committee hired a local mechanic to build a replica. Though Red Heifer claimed his machine was an engineering miracle, the local man replicated it with ease. 
While his machine looked identical to Red Heifer's, it wasn't able to move by itself or keep spinning once it was set into motion. For the machine to work, it needed a motor. For the committee, it was evident that Red Heifer had somehow concealed a device within his machine. He was trying to sell a hoax. Word quickly spread throughout Philadelphia. Humiliated, Red Heifer eventually packed up his device and left town. Surprisingly, though, soon after, he reappeared in New York City alongside another perpetual motion machine. Somehow, the truth of his incident in Philly hadn't followed him. He constructed the device inside a multi-level building in the city. Then, as he did in Philadelphia, Red Heifer began selling tickets for the public to view it. Word of a machine that could move itself spread like wildfire, and curious New Yorkers flocked to see the technological marvel. Unfortunately for Red Heifer, news of the device also caught the attention of Robert Fulton, an engineer known for designing the commercial steamboat. Fulton was a genius, and he knew a lot about how energy worked. So when he visited Red Heifer's device, he looked at the machine with a curious grin. There was no way this device worked like Red Heifer claimed. Standing in front of the machine, Fulton proclaimed to the crowd that the machine was powered by a secret hand crank. To prove his point, he leapt onto the stage and began prying boards away from the wall. He found a cord leading from the machine to a hole in the floor above them. Fulton followed it to a hidden room, where he discovered an old man slowly turning a crank while eating a sandwich. Outraged at the deception, a mob rushed the stage. They ripped the machine apart, piece by piece. In the chaos, Red Heifer fled. Despite these repeated instances of public failure, Red Heifer clung to his idea. In 1816, he reappeared in Philadelphia with an interesting claim. He claimed to have made improvements to his machine and that he had finally discovered the key to free energy. This time, he wasn't trying to raise money. Instead, he wanted to patent the machine. This was a huge step, since patents often give creators a leg up by allowing them to set the market price for their product. And in 1820, Red Heifer's patent was granted. But that's when things got strange. After the patent was approved, Red Heifer reportedly vanished. Yet even though he disappeared, details of his perpetual motion machine remained safe inside the Washington, D.C. patent office. That is, until a fire broke out on December 15, 1836. Around 17,000 patent drawings and models inside the building were destroyed, including Red Heifer's. We might never know what happened to Red Heifer or whether his last perpetual motion machine worked, but we do know that he successfully brought the idea of free energy to the American public. Once that happened, there was no turning back. In 1872, a carpenter named John Keeley announced that he had discovered a new power force, vibrations. Keeley understood that the tiny atoms around us are always shaking. He believed that if a device could harness these vibrations, it could potentially generate free energy. 
He called it etheric force and theorized that it would be powerful enough to run any sized motor. Like Red Heifer, Keeley was inspired to monetize his findings, so he built a prototype. It was a sleek engine with small pipes and water bladders inside. According to him, it was capable of capturing energy from vibrating atoms by channeling them through water. It wasn't perfect, but it was enough for Keeley to show investors. He was convinced that if he could get money to start the Keeley Motor Company, he could change the future of energy. His fundraising tour started in New York. There, he set up an elaborate demonstration at a luxury hotel on Fifth Avenue, complete with expensive food and alcohol. Wealthy investors crowded into the room to get a look at Keeley's so-called vibratory generator. The audience hushed as Keeley poured water into a chamber and the machine gurgled to life. The display worked. Money began to roll in. Investors wanted a piece of the groundbreaking technology that would change the world. Soon after revealing the prototype, the inventor had secured $5 million for his new company. During this time, Keeley opened a workshop to work on his design, and he eventually built a full-scale version of his machine. Shareholders flocked to his lab in Philadelphia, eager to see the device in action. Ever the showman, Keeley used a violin to set the machine in motion. There was a hiss of air, and the motor began to run. Those present claimed that Keeley's invention created enough power to bend iron bars and rip thick ropes apart. The presentation impressed investors. To them, the chance to market a motor capable of producing free energy was an incredible opportunity, so they kept funneling money. And Keeley continued his work on the machine, putting on fancy presentations and taking in the fame. But as time wore on, investors grew impatient. It had been years since he first unveiled his machine, and it still wasn't ready to go to market. They wanted Keeley to patent the design and get it in consumers' hands. So in 1885, Keeley premiered his life's work, the Rotary Etheric Engine, and invited reporters and stockholders to the event. There, he promised them that five of these motors could power a city and that this machine would be ready to go to market next month. Stockholders applauded, and confidence among investors in the Keeley Motor Company soared. But before Keeley could fulfill his promise, a court ordered that he reveal the science behind his motor. Perhaps knowing how momentous his invention could be for the nation and the world, there was a growing desire to see all the specifics laid bare. He refused. Soon, the inventor was sent to prison for contempt of court on November 17, 1888. Although Keeley was only locked up for three days, the damage to his reputation was severe. Newspapers used the lawsuit to report about his shortcomings, and Keeley was ridiculed by the public. Confidence in his motor company tanked. Keeley eventually made his way out of the free energy space, leaving just as humiliated as Red Heifer had been before him. After Keeley's death, inspectors got their hands on his prototypes and found a hidden water motor that powered the machinery. In the end, Keeley's inventions were all a hoax. But 
he wouldn't be the last to take on the free energy fight. Coming up, a free energy inventor is supposedly poisoned. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. Now back to the story. For hundreds of years, the world's best minds have tried to create free energy. Such a discovery would transform our global economy and rewrite the laws of physics. As the need for more and more energy grows, interest in a machine that can create its own energy has only increased. And one crisis brought that desire to a boiling point. In 1973, members of the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, or OPEC, imposed an oil embargo against the United States. Almost overnight, the price of oil per barrel skyrocketed. Across the U.S., people felt the impact at the gas tank. This crisis prompted an inventor from a small city in Ohio to look for an alternate fuel source. Stanley Meyer wasn't a scientist. In fact, he was a dropout who learned from what he called, quote, the school of hard knocks. But he wasn't without scientific knowledge. Instead of pursuing a degree, Stanley worked in research at the Battelle Institute, a science and technology company. So throughout the 1970s and 80s, Stanley searched for a way to alleviate America's dependence on oil. And like John Keeley before him, Stanley turned to the most abundant substance on Earth, water. He understood that water was made up of two elements, hydrogen and oxygen. If he could invent a machine capable of splitting those elements, the hydrogen could be used as a fuel source because the element by itself carries its own energy. A process for this does already exist, known as electrolysis, but it requires a lot of energy. Stanley needed to invent a machine that did the opposite. And by 1983, Stanley seemingly did just that. He filed a patent on a device called a water fuel cell. Stanley claimed it was capable of producing several hundred percent more energy than it consumed. But he didn't just stop there. Stanley set out to prove the device worked by modifying a dune buggy to run on nothing but water. Some time after, Stanley unveiled a bright reddish-orange buggy during a local news broadcast. In big white letters, scrawled beneath an American flag decal, were the words, Water-Powered Car. 
Wearing large wire-rimmed glasses and a clean collared shirt, Stanley beamed for the camera. He proudly claimed that if his buggy went from Los Angeles to New York, it would use around 22 gallons of water. Cameras rolled as Stanley poured water into the buggy's fuel tank. Then he slowly pulled the vehicle onto the highway and hit the accelerator. The water-powered car sped away. During that newscast, the man interviewing Stanley reported that a lieutenant colonel for the Pentagon had recently visited the inventor. They were interested in using the technology for military vehicles as well as a nuclear defense program. Although Stanley's dune buggy appeared to work as claimed, there were critics. Some thought his water fuel cell was pseudoscience. Others speculated that he was performing standard electrolysis. Stanley's reaction was similar to Red Heifer and Keeley. While he denied the claims, he didn't provide evidence that his device actually worked either. He refused to let anyone inspect his engine for fear they would steal his secrets. Stanley insisted the oil industry was interested in his technology and had threatened the inventor in the past by following him. In 1996, a couple of Stanley's investors filed a lawsuit against the inventor. Wary that he might be defrauding investors, a judge ordered Stanley's water fuel cell to be analyzed by expert witnesses. They found, quote, nothing revolutionary about the cell. Stanley was found guilty of fraud and ordered to pay back $25,000. Still, Stanley was determined to carry on. He filed more patents regarding his water fuel cell technology and hunted for new investors. That's what led the 57-year-old inventor and his brother Stephen to the Cracker Barrel on March 20, 1998. There, Stanley claimed to be poisoned before he died. The local police launched an investigation into Stanley's death. They interviewed more than a dozen witnesses and tested Stanley's body for poison. Ultimately, a coroner reported that the inventor had died of a cerebral aneurysm, possibly due to high blood pressure. But Stephen wasn't convinced. He suspected his brother was murdered to suppress his water fuel cell invention. He went on to claim the investors who were there when Stanley died were somehow involved. There may be some merit to these claims. The Columbus Dispatch reported that police audio tapes of the Belgian investors' interviews were missing, or never recorded to begin with, unlike many other witnesses. And according to Stephen, a week after the inventor's death, the water-powered dune buggy was stolen. While the vehicle eventually turned up in Canada in 2014, it's unclear how it got there and where it might be today. Which may show that Stanley Meyer was closer to cracking free energy than any of his predecessors. As we mentioned earlier, Stanley's water-powered car may sound far-fetched, but the essential idea of transforming water into energy is possible. Water has hydrogen in it, and hydrogen is already a form of power. In fact, through nuclear fusion, a single glass of seawater could produce as much energy as a barrel of oil. It's also environmentally friendly because it doesn't release waste. 
The science is complicated, but simply put, it's the process of fusing the nuclei of two or more atoms into one and using the lost mass as energy. It's what powers our sun and countless other stars in the universe. Einstein described it best with the formula E equals mc squared. However, nuclear fusion is not free energy because the process requires an enormous amount of heat and pressure. But in 1989, two chemists named Martin Fleischmann and Stanley Pons claimed to have discovered a new process to conduct nuclear fusion at room temperature. They called it cold fusion. The scientists hypothesized whether they could fuse deuterium atoms, which are denser than hydrogen, through electrolysis. To test their theory, Fleischmann and Pons passed an electrical current through a jar filled with heavy water, or water composed of deuterium. According to Fleischmann and Pons, the process fused the atoms in the water and generated heat similar to the way nuclear fusion did. That's not all. Fleischmann and Pons claim their experiment actually generated excess energy, which meant they had discovered free energy. If true, cold fusion could provide cheap energy to the world and help slow climate change. It was the holy grail of energy production. Scientists were shocked. Newspapers ran headlines like, Electrochemists discover source of clean, unlimited energy. Fleischmann and Pons became overnight celebrities. A national institute was even created to research the new technology. But the excitement didn't last long. Skeptics spoke out, claiming that cold fusion was impossible. Some called Fleischmann and Pons delusional. And it didn't help that no matter how many times other chemists tried to reproduce their experiment, they couldn't get the results Pons and Fleischmann claimed. As opposition grew among scientists, public criticism mounted. Fleischmann and Pons pushed back against their naysayers, they claimed other scientists were not using large enough electrical conductors to spur the fusion. And while there were numerous experts who disagreed with them, a few did speak out in favor of cold fusion. A physicist at Brigham Young University in Utah also reported he had achieved cold fusion through a similar process. And this physicist claimed that scientists in Italy found parallel results. Ultimately, this wasn't enough to combat the skepticism. As funding dried up, the research institute founded to advance their work on cold fusion was shut down. With their reputations tarnished, the scientific pair moved to France in 1992. They stubbornly opened a new research facility and continued to study cold fusion until Fleischmann retired three years later. Yet the idea of cold fusion hasn't faded. In fact, over the years, it slowly rebranded itself into a process known as low-energy nuclear reactions. So the cycle begins again. Entrepreneurial inventors pursuing the next technological possibility, hoping to discover free energy. New technology is always coming to light, making it easier to make progress toward what once seemed impossible. Even as of 2022, there are companies still attempting to defy physics and produce free energy. 
Next time, we'll cover three conspiracies surrounding free energy, starting with Google's claims that it has produced the first time crystal. We'll explore what opportunities might be inside these so-called crystals, if they even exist. We'll also examine the possibility that energy and fossil fuel companies could be suppressing free energy technology for profit. And finally, we'll discuss the idea that free energy already exists, but the government is keeping the technology hidden out of fear that it could fall into the wrong hands. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back next time with a new episode. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by A.P. Boland, edited by Amber Hurley and Mackenzie Moore, with fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. Hi, it's Carter from Parcast Network. Devious Dads is back for a second season and a new collection of hair-raising episodes from across our catalog of shows. Every Sunday, meet the parents who were anything but protectors. Follow Devious Dads free and only on Spotify. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa. Exciting news. Parcast's first book, Cults Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them, is now available for pre-order at parcast.com cults. Thanks to your support, we've compiled years of research, insights, and a catalog of case studies to expose more about these cults and the people behind them than ever before details which haven't even been explored in our cults podcast visit parcast.com slash cults to pre-order your copy of cults inside the world's most notorious groups and understanding the people who joined them